Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Australia, unfortunately, didn't quite make it. Weren't able to win the final test match here of the Ashes. It ends up tie of two all. And, you know, a lot of English fans are like, well, we were going to win that fourth test before the rain came. So, you know, take this as you will. It's a very interesting one how, you know, obviously Aussies get to keep the Ashes earned there after winning in Australia last time, I suppose. Look, if you if you want to keep the Ashes, you should win the one before. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting final day. Obviously, England winning by 49 runs. The swan song of Broad getting the final two wickets. There's actually so much to talk about. A little bit of controversy as well. As there has been this whole Ashes series, which is really strange because I think that, you know, from watching the last bunch of Ashes series, there hasn't been as, as much turmoil and as, you know, many things going on. So uh, be interesting to get into that as well. And a part of it was a good reason why England ended up winning that, especially with the ball. So 334 was a very, very good chase. But, uh, you know, the wicket that was pretty good. And, you know, conditions for this final day were good bowling conditions and it seemed that way um, for a lot of the time when when England bowled and, and something that was uh, strangely noticeable and you know England won four tosses that helped as well um, but yeah that's just that's just how it goes right that's just a little bit of luck um, and similar to that with you know conditions on this day and the day before the Aussie openers in Uzi and Warner were able to to really get things going and it wasn't too difficult until things changed with the ball. So just before we get into the, that scorecard and the Australian batting innings, just want to shout out player of the series, Mitchell Stark. He had a really, really good series and probably went better than I thought he would. You know, he had a bit, little bit of a lull from a year and a half to two years ago. And since then has been a lot more consistent with his bowling. And obviously can, you know, score runs with the bat as well. Didn't happen last night, but uh, you know, Stark has been bowling much better. And you can see here with your know, multiple forfers in this series, he was able to you know play the majority of the games and do an incredible job. So well done to Starkey and player of the match was Chris Wokes. And I, I think he would have been player of the series for sure if he played uh, an extra match or two for sure. So he only played the last three. Same for that for Mark Wood. Uh, both of those players had really, really good series. And it showed there that both uh, bowlers there winning player of the series and player of the match. 
which is very, very cool. So let's look to the scorecard. So we came into uh, this day here with Warner basically on 60 and, and Kawaja on 69. And it was tough going. So let's get to what I'm saying with the ball. And there's been a lot of memes going around about it. So I'm sure you've seen plenty of it if you are watching this. But um, sports bets meme was, was so good. They always have a, have a cracker. Um, you know, the change of the ball, obviously. How it works, guys, is is they bring out a, a box of balls. And in Australia, they have a, a certain uh, box of balls for each amount of overs. So it might be a box of balls for 10 overs, 20, 30, 40, 50, and beyond. And what happened there is it didn't seem like they had the right ball for, for where they were at, 20-odd overs, I believe it was. And so it basically looked like they gave them a ball that was sort of 7 to 8, 10 overs old. So a massive difference. You look at it here, it's completely scuffed up. Um, yeah, especially on the one side is what we can see from that picture. And then the new ball that they get um, had all the writing on it still. So it was pretty well brand new. And you can tell straight from ball one, the commentators are talking about it. We could hear it. The sound of the ball on the bat was absolutely pinging off. It was coming through a lot better. It was moving a lot more. So that in itself is is a, is a mistake. And you know, if you are going to change the ball, which is a really big thing, like a lot of people won't, understand how much of, of a big deal that that changing the ball is in a test match and you know we know that each ball does a little bit of a different thing and if you are going to re replace a ball it needs to be similar to what it was sometimes it you know comes out it's a little bit different we've seen it in certain test matches and stuff and but those balls that you know they've come out and they've done a little bit extra or something like that they did look pretty much pretty well the same it's just you know something to do with one of the sides being a little rougher or something like that um, as to what caused the difference. But in this case, it was a much newer ball. And that's a mistake that, that was made, unfortunately, by the umpires. And something needs to yeah, there needs to be some type of investigation on that. You're, you're listening to Cal Ferguson, a few guys in commentary and um, you know, in their little broadcast at, at lunch and stuff that they, that they go through. And you know, everyone was saying that, that that was a mistake. And, and I definitely think that that played a big factor in, in what transpired here, especially at the start of this day. You look, okay, well, they changed it sort of late uh, on, on day four there, right? Um, yeah, into that innings, I should say, before before we had rain on day four. Um, and Warner Kawadra were well in, both 50 plus, um, and, and were able to sort of cover that, any extra swing and, and extra bounce that there was with that ball because they were in and they'd faced, you know, close to 100 balls each, you know, Kawadra, a few more, Warner just under 100 by that point. So they were able to get through that. But obviously a, a new day comes around and, and that type of newer ball it does make it harder to play. So, yeah, just very, very annoying that, that that's how, yeah, that's what it came to. And that may have proved the difference here in, in this test match and on this day. So, Warner and Kawaja both fall very early, unfortunately. So, Warner goes to a nice ball from Wokes and, and just continues to bowl incredible all, all series there. Um, and then another nice LBW from Wokes to Kawaja. And unfortunately for, yeah, I can't really say too much about Warner's one. He does seem to get that back foot across, like I talk about, where he squares himself up a little bit with his back leg, um, and just that just moves his bat a little bit. He ends up, you know, pushing out in front a little bit, which gets him to nick the ball, unfortunately. And Kawaja, very much the same type of uh, dismissal that he's been getting out all the time that I keep talking about, is he does walk out it a little bit with his hands at least a meter out in front of him, um, and he's poking at it. And in this case, he missed it. As I said, he'll nick it. He'll get OEW or he will get bowled. And that's the way he gets out. That's pretty much the only way he gets out, which is absolutely incredible. So, yeah, 60 for him, uh, for Warner, 72 for Kawaja. And unfortunately, that left us 2 for 141 after being none for 135. So, a very tough start. We lose Manus next at 169. So, 13 for him. It's just starting to get into his work a little bit. And 
This is an interesting one for Marnus because you look at him batting in Australia and he clearly has a better average there. And we will get into the averages there uh, in the other tab um, as to how everyone went in this 2023 Ashes. But when Marnus plays in Australia especially, he leaves that ball. So that one he nicked today, it seemed away a little bit. But it was also outside off and high. And he would always leave the ball on length. He just doesn't seem to be leaving the ball as well. Uh, in this series, he left it a lot, a lot better last test, but there was really only one of the, the six matches that he played where he left the ball really well. And he would just leave it on length. You know, soon, even if it was straight, he'd go over middle and leg and he would just leave it. Whereas here, there's no chance of him leaving that. And I think he's worried about some of them staying low and stuff like that compared to very much trusting of the Australian wickets. So unfortunately for Marnus, that just gives him, you know, leaves him a little bit susceptible to certain balls just outside off where he's actually playing at them rather than leap rather than leaving them there, um, and that's causing him some issues. So, unfortunately, he went down. Smith and Head come together, you know, really creating a lovely partnership. And just, you know, it wasn't too long before Smithy ended up getting out at 54 that uh, the, the incident happened with, with Ben Stokes. And as I said, there's another, there's so many things going on, and there's probably three examples now. Two of them have been in this Ashes series, and one was was Herschel Gibbs um, back in the day in the, in the World Cup semifinal, I believe against Australia there. Um, and I think it was my name Steve Waugh that actually asked and go, hey, is, you know, apparently it was the thing that he was always doing where he just, he wouldn't even completely take control of a catch. He would just have it in his hands and throw it straight up. So yes, he, you'd say he controlled it because he, you'd drop it otherwise. Like it would hit your side of your hand. It would fall to the ground or something like that. So he'd, <clears throat> before he'd completely get control of it, he'd throw it up. So just be in the one motion. You see Starkey's one and, you know, they say that he wasn't in complete control because he was diving. And you know, putting the ball on the ground, even though he had complete control of it, um, is is not out. So when that's happened, and then this Stokes thing's happened, and you see his reaction straight after, he's obviously clearly caught the ball. He's come down, he's on one foot, and he hasn't got his other foot on the ground. And before he's done that, he's obviously went to celebrate, and he's whacked his leg, and the ball's fallen out. And his reaction straight away just proved that he was he knew that it was a little bit. He was in a little bit of trouble, and he may have just dropped. Smithy, um, yeah, which is obviously probably the, our biggest wicket by far. Yeah, not his, not his, uh, you know, not not our best player average wise in this series, but we know what his quality is. So, yeah, for him to know that it was an issue, yes, everyone can blow up and stuff, but he already knew he was in trouble and he wasn't going to be able to um, claim that catch. And then, yeah, the interestingness of of them reviewing it and stuff. I like to to the you know naked eye live, he he caught it, and I think they went away from him. Um, they went looked back at um at Smithy and and then you know straight to the umpire for the decision and and yeah I didn't even realize that he'd actually dropped it, um yeah so that was that was the next thing so we had the ball saga we had Stokesy there and from this point it's like okay let's just get through you know if, if Smithy can head combat for a long time then you know Australia are in a cracking position and unfortunately we lose head at two sixty four so left one hundred and twenty to play with there one hundred fifteen whatever it is one hundred twenty yep almost one hundred twenty to get um, from when Head got out. So just before that, you're sitting there going, Head and, and Smith are having a cracker of a partnership there, 43 and 54 each. Basically, Smithy was just about 50 at that point. And, you know, if they stay together, Aussies win. They don't stay together, unfortunately, and then Smithy gets out not long after that. And I actually thought, you know, watching live that Smith seemed completely fine against the pace. And it was Moe and Ali that was going to you know, cause a few issues there. And he ended up, you know, nicking it on, you know, off his glove. Uh, and getting caught dropped by by Stokes there, and and on, on you know he eventually ended up getting out to Wokes, and that makes sense. He's just bowling so well, and it was a good ball. Um, we can't say too much about that. Travis Head's one, 
Moen Ali spinning the ball big on that one. It was almost a half volley. He was, you know, hands were a little bit away from his body. It is how he plays it, but his head was a little bit too far away. And when it's spinning away like that, you're getting plenty of, of, of bouncing and, and turn off the rough there. It makes it very, very tough for him to, to get through it. Mitch Marsh, pretty good ball. Can't do too much about that. He got obviously a fine nick uh, onto his onto his thigh pad there, but an absolutely incredible catch from Besto. And he ended up getting a few decent catches there. He got he got Warner. Uh, he got that that one there off Marsh. He ended up with the Alex Carey one and Todd Murphy to finish there for two good wickets for, for Stewie Broad. So along with his good batting in this test match, he actually caught well. So, you know, congrats to, to Besto. Um, it just makes sense there that, that he needed some time to, to get good with his keeping just because he had been out of the game for so long. So, you know, he's more of a natural batsman, obviously, rather than a natural keeper. Uh, so it was, you know, made sense that batting was going to come back to him first and then keeping, you know, following that. So Marsh went down to that. Yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Caused some issues then. It uh, you know, ended up being six down and then Stark got out straight away. So 275 for seven and, and yeah, plenty of trouble. Pat Cummins goes off that. We needed Pat to, to kind of stick there for a 30 odd. Unfortunately, he went for nine uh, and that left that left Murphy with Kerry. And, and Todd was doing great. And you know, again, it then needed just one more partnership from those two. Um, Todd got 30 odd in the first innings and 18 here. So yeah, it shows it. What I really noticed with him is just how good he was of the short ball. Absolutely pumping boundaries. A um, couple of sixes last test, uh, last inning, sorry. And um, yeah, three fours in this one, especially all through the leg side. So good stuff from from Murph there. Just wasn't enough though. Got a nice ball from Stewart. Um, yeah, really, really good. And that finished off then with Kerry playing, missing for a couple. And then, and Brody getting him to finish, to finish the test match um, there at 334. 49 short. Unfortunately, and yeah, Kerry just hasn't been able to, to kick on. And, and I suppose, yeah, at this point, it was nine down and, and he was doing his job. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, not his best, uh, you know, test series batting wise. And we'll go through those stats as we go now. So yeah, I was kind of take this video into more of like an overall Ashes series and, and kind of, you know, relay it back to what I spoke about in the preview as to you know, a lot of the bowlers and the batsmen. So we're going to kick it off with the bowling side of things. First and uh, yeah, the guy that I was pushing to get in this test team for England, I thought was someone that we were going to have to worry about. It was actually Chris Wokes, and he ended up with the best average by far, getting five for in this test match. He was in, in, incredible. Actually, we go down, drop down to that now. So sorry, Wokes got four, got five for the match, I believe. So that's right. Um, yeah, we're going at two, two and a half and over, four for fifty off nineteen. Incredible work. Stuart Broad, the couple at the end, Anderson just couldn't find a wicket, unfortunately for him. So hopefully, when they go to India, he'll be um, better for it. 
Moen Ali, I think he'll be happy to finish his uh, yeah, his test career on that. So he's re-retired. Um, it's a funny tweet. Uh, it was a funny um, comment he ended up saying. He goes, if Stokes messaged me again, I'll delete the text. Fair enough. Um, Woody, obviously carrying a bit of an injury with his heel, it turns out to be. Nino is one for 34. Did his job, got one wicket. Um, but yeah, Wokesy and Brody kind of carrying the pace attack in that one. So yeah, let's get to the averages now. And this is the bowling side. So Wokes spoke about him at 18 average, even better than what he normally averages in England there, which is really, really good. 5 for 62 was his best uh, bowling figures. And then you had Wood. He came in. He actually did a lot better than I thought he would. So he was the one that uh, stood out, obviously, as the, the bowlers in England that kind of really improved on his average. He was averaging 42 with the ball um, and did a great job and would have done better if he didn't cop that injury in this one. So obviously both those guys coming in in Test 3 doesn't shock me, right, that they got better from you know, winning the third and winning the fifth year and should have won the fourth there with those two guys coming back in. So really, really good decisions to get them guys in. And uh, yeah, very, very impressive. Murphy played the two test matches, but he's up there on you know, best average with 25 with seven wickets. So seven for 181 of his 32 overs. So he came on and you know, for the most part later on in the innings and, and obviously that allowed him to get an opportunity to get some wickets. Sure. But um, yeah, he was solid in the in the overs that he got. He didn't get a lot of chances, obviously, with 32 overs in four innings of bowling. Very, very low, uh, especially when you look at, you know, Moen Ali didn't bowl that much, but he still had, he, sorry, he played four matches. He didn't really get to bowl a lot in two of them, you know, in a couple of innings, especially. And he still got 126 overs as their main spinner. So um, yeah, very, very interesting there. Starkey got the 23 wickets. So he ended up outdoing Broad by the one. Um, with his you know, great wicket-taking efforts and averaging 27. A little bit better than what he normally does in England. So, yeah, a really, really good story as said, and a player of the series. Got a few runs as well. Most wickets um, for Starkey. Ollie Robinson, three matches, 10 wickets. He ended up still having an average of 28. So, yeah, you look at games and it's like, oh, he wasn't super threatening, but then you look at the end and he had two for two for 60 or something like that off his 20. And you go, oh, okay, that's actually not too bad. Like, it, it just didn't look like he was... A world beater, but then he did really well. And, and Brody had the same average of 28.41, just one, 1.01 worse than that of Robinson. But 22 weeks for him in his last test series, last Ashes test series, he was the only person out of everyone to bowl in 10 innings, which is really, really cool. So good on him. Um, solid strike rate of 44, obviously. 164 overs. He bowled the most out of everyone. Yeah, by a good way, actually. 145 for Pat. Um, was next, but he's a long way down that list. So very, well, very, very well done to Brody. Joe Root did his thing. He averaged 28 as well. Good stuff for him. Latham Lyon only playing a couple. He had a really nice average for for where he's norm he's normally at um, on pitches that were you know didn't take a lot of spin in that first couple of games, but he did great. Stokesy, you know, and he didn't bowl too many. He bowled 29 overs in the end, which is interesting. I thought he'd be a little bit less. Josh Tung bowled the you know in the one good test, but here's where the issue lies. And it's in the Australian bowlers. So we've got Scott Bowen playing two matches there, 115 average. Not great on that one. You had Anderson, obviously, who played four of them. And he had a little bit of trouble with his average as well. Moen Ali, 51, and Anderson. They're really the two bowlers from the England side of things. But guys that bowl good, a good amount of overs there for the Australians, Scott Bowen, Cameron Green there. Uh, Mitch Marsh didn't bowl a lot, so we can't say too much about him. But those two guys there bowled 45 and 47 overs, um, respectively. Travis Head down there low at 18, but Pat Cummins here and Hazelwood. Our two 
Best bowlers, our two best pace bowlers there, going for a 31.7 average in Hazelwood and a 37.7 for Pat with the ball. So both took some wickets, but yeah, bowled a lot of overs. Obviously, Hazelwood the 98, Pat the 145. And um, yeah, we usually expect better from Pat. He's very much a 2021 average guy in England. So this uh, didn't suit him as much. He had one really, really good test match. And other than that, okay to be honest with you. Like, obviously, things didn't fall his way all the time, but he was just okay uh, for the most part, unfortunately, there with the ball. So that's that side. And you just see, obviously, there that it was all just um, the majority of the bowling was better for England, and that's why they pretty well ended up winning three test matches and well, should have won three test matches in the end there. Let's go to the runs now, and we see the openers from Australia, two different spots. We had Uzi at number one, Warner at number three. And then it's very interesting to see that Crawley was number two and Duck at number 10. So yeah, both teams, you can see why it was fairly close overall because you had two the two openers there um, in, in Kawaja there and Crawley, both scoring a very similar amount of runs and average a very, averaging a very similar amount, which obviously gets both teams off to a good start. And shows why it was fairly close. So Kawaja the 50, just under 50 average, unfortunately, in the end, 49.6 and Crawley 53.3. So Crawley really stood up. And I think uh, yeah, he obviously proved the difference in these test matches. You look at Kawaja and what his average was in, in the last couple of years. And this is just basically where he was averaging, a little bit under where he would. But you'd expect him to drop down a little bit in England, just because it's a bit harder to bat than, than the other places he's been, he's been playing in. Crawley really stepped up and, and was massive for England, you look at Duckett at 35.6, and that's probably expected from him. Bairstow, I was thinking about a 40 average as well. Harry Brook, I said, with the X Factor, and he was in certain games. So a 40 average for him makes sense. He was never he was never one to go on for a big score, and that's why his average is that little bit lower. Unfortunately for the Australians, 37 for Smith is the very low average there. And then we have Marnus at 32.8. So our two best batsmen not scoring anywhere near, not averaging anywhere near what they were um, last time they were in England. And obviously Smith would be pretty disappointed uh, with his 37 averages. He got a 70-odd and a 50-odd here in this test match and, and showed that his average was in the low 30s before that score, before those scores. And Marnus, apart from that one test match, uh, the fourth one, where he hit a 50-odd and 111, he, his average was very low also. So both of the, our two best batsmen, unfortunately, weren't able to get the job done. Travis Head was 36, and you'd probably take that. Again, Head, Brooke, you, you know, very comparable in there at 40 and 36. You had Ben Stokes, average 45, did a really, really good job in certain games. Obviously, we know what those games were. Um, and Joe Root, the 51s. He really outdid Smith and also Labashane, and again, proved the reason why um, they were slightly ahead for the most part in these test matches. And um, yeah, Uzi kind of really held held the fort down for the Australians, which is very, very helpful. As I said, we've got the, the bowling side, probably England, we're just a little bit, you know, England's bowlers overall, we're a little bit better. And then you'd say the same for the batting side. It was just a lot of mediocre, mediocrity, sort of 30s and 40s average for the Australians. You come down to David Warner, he came into England averaging 26 when he plays there, end up at 28.5. So yeah, again, fairly average on that front. Mitch Marsh averaged 50 which was great. Um, again, he proved the difference in, in one of those games there as well. Alex Carey averaged 22.2 in the end. So we're hoping for him to be in the 30s. And again, most of the Aussie batsmen just were a little bit under where they should have been, unfortunately. And it shows that, you know, with, as I said, England kind of dominating both statistics, bowling, and also the batting there. It just showed that, you know, Aussies were able to win those close games. Um, and for the most part, England have dominated the stat sheets 
So there you go. Moen Ali, 25 with his bat. Uh, Cummins much better with the 23. Cam Green just needing to still improve, unfortunately, for him. Um, Batting-wise, you know, average 20, not the worst in the end. Um, yeah, one not out. Yeah, one not out out of his six innings, 38 the high score. So, yeah, we definitely need him to improve on that front. He had Wokes in there with a 19 average, Starkey and Wood, all solid there with Poby 22. And then you go down, you obviously get the bowlers from there, and that doesn't really matter too much. Any batters? No, no batsmen in there. Most of the batters kind of played the whole time, didn't they? So, yeah, that's the stats for for the Ashes, you know, 2023 Ashes. And, um, yeah, how did it go compared to the preview? Look, I had the Australians actually winning 2-1. Turns out it was a two-all draw. Could have been worse from there, but I did expect a couple of uh, a couple of rained off draws, and we almost got there again in this one with um, a fair bit of a rain delay at, uh, at lunch there. And, um, yeah, I suppose that's all I've really got to say about the Ashes at the moment. Thank you very much for for coming and joining me uh, across this journey of, of, of uh, analysing and, and reacting to all of the, the Ashes days. It's been a lot of fun. We will be you know, doing some reactions to, you know, obviously, some of the, the World Cup as well. We have the Australian Summer, the Big Bash League. I'll be doing some Big Bash Supercoach um, chat as well, which will be really cool. But, again, thank you for being here. And this one has been an absolutely incredible series. Um, and I can't wait to, to make more videos for you. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 